Thanks for checking out the weekly sermon from Church of the Resurrection. We pray that God will use this message to speak to you and help you grow in your faith journey. We'd like to invite you to join us next week at one of our services, whether in live worship online at court.org live or in person at one of our locations in the Kansas City area. Church of the Resurrection is one church in multiple locations. To learn more about our service times and ministries, please visit Cora.org. We hope you enjoy this message. As we continue in worship, my name is Lydia Kim, and I'm one of the pastors here at Resurrection. I invite you now to hear these words from Scripture, from the Gospel of Matthew. Then the mother of the sons of Zebedee came to him with her sons, and kneeling before him, she asked a favor of him. And he said to her, what do you want? She said to him, declare that these two sons of mine will sit one at your right hand and one at your left in your kingdom. But Jesus answered, you do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I am about to drink? They said to him, we are able. He said to them, you will indeed drink my cup, but to sit at my right hand and at my left This is not mine to grant, but it is for those for whom it has been prepared by my father. When the 10 heard it, they were angry with the two brothers. But Jesus called them to him and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them and their great ones are tyrants over them. It will not be so among you, but whoever wishes to be great among you must be your servant. And whoever wishes to be first among you must be your slave just as the son of man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. And in Paul's letter to the church of Ephesus, we read these words, for we are what he has made us, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand to be our way of life. May God add a blessing to the hearing, reading and understanding of scripture. Greetings, Resurrection. I'm Pastor Bill Gepford. I serve at Resurrection West and the west side of Kansas City. And it is a joy not only to be one of your pastors, but to be sharing a message with you here today. Now, we're going to be continuing our sermon series on becoming better, the five habits that will redefine your life. Today, we're talking about service. Today is also Father's Day. And a lot of us have a father or a father figure who was an example of how to serve that we seek to emulate. Uh, And since we're talking about service, since we're talking about Father's Day, let's start with the most logical place, Mother's Day. This past Mother's Day, I had a lot of ground to make up. I hadn't really killed it last Mother's Day. I hadn't really done too good of a job last Mother's Day. So I had to kind of play catch up. Not only that, but my son is now four. He's starting to ask questions about like, what is Mother's Day? And how do we make mommy feel special? And and how do we bless her? And so I wanted to set a good example of what it looks like to serve and and to be a good husband and, and, and to show love in tangible ways. And so here was my plan. 
he and I were going to spend the week uh, kind of redoing the garden in our backyard. It was kind of overgrown and, and there was all this stuff coming through the fence. So every night after he'd come home from school, we'd pull out all of the weeds we could. We'd cut back all of the brambles and the thorns. And then I talked to a guy in my neighborhood. He runs a tree service and said, hey, can I get all of the mulch that you can possibly give me? And he said, sure, I got you. So Thursday of that week, he pulls up and he's got this giant truck and he uh, deposits a massive pile of mulch on my driveway. I want you to think about uh, like an entire truck full of mulch, a pile of mulch that is as tall as my shoulder, that is as big as the altar behind me. It blocks most of my driveway. And I'm just imagining this is gonna look incredible. I'm gonna be the best husband ever. It's gonna be awesome. So we're going to spread this all over on Saturday, Friday. I've got a little bit of, of dead time. And so I do this online powerlifting competition, just a way to kind of hang out with some buddies. Uh, it's all going well. I get a little bit excited. I get a little bit bad at math. I get a little bit heavier than I should. And, uh, and this happens. I tear a muscle here. I strain a ligament here. Uh, my arm gets to be completely immobilized in a sling with no movement for two weeks while there is a giant pile of mulch the size of this altar on my driveway, which means that my wife's gift for Mother's Day is no longer that I'm gonna do all of this incredible landscaping for her. It means that now for Mother's Day, there's a whole lot of landscaping that gets to be done by her. Friends, I begin to feel despondent. Saturday, uh, I get up and, uh, and I'm thinking like, I've got to do something about this. I've got to find a way. I know I've got an arm and a sling. I know I, I, like I'm a righty and now I've got only my left hand, but I've got to find a way to get this mulch from my driveway to my backyard. I want to show my son what it looks like to serve. I want to set a good example. I want to show my wife how much I love her in, in just a tangible way. And so I get up early and, and I, uh, I grab a shovel with just my left arm and I begin trying to, to scoop with one hand and, and that doesn't do anything. I wrap my arm around the shovel and I'm trying to do that and it's getting nowhere. I borrow my son, my four-year-old son's like sandbox baby shovel and I'm trying to use that and it's not doing anything. And my heart begins to sink as I'm realizing that now I'm setting a bad example for my son. I'm giving really a project to my wife that she doesn't want or need or deserve. My heart begins to sink and I hear a voice behind me as I'm standing on my driveway, staring at this giant pile of mulch, I hear uh, actually two voices, not my wife and my son, but the voices of the two boys who live across the street, Beckett and Everett. And I turn around and I see them walking over with shovels in their hands. Behind them are Ryan and Annette, their parents pushing a wheelbarrow. And as I look at them, I, I, out of the corner of my eye, catch Ginny coming over with Brooke and Ellie and, and they've got rakes and Ken and Tina, he's driving over their lawn tractor and it's got a utility cart behind it. And Austin's walking over with his family and my neighbors show up. And in an hour, they transform this pile of mulch into a beautiful garden in our backyard. They do more in one hour than I would have been able to do in an entire day, even if I'd had both of my arms. They do more in one hour than I had any hope of doing when I woke up that morning. They do enough in that hour that they save Mother's Day. And maybe even my marriage. I'm not sure about that last part. 
it was incredible. I was so grateful for them. And I kept telling person after person, like, thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for being incredible neighbors. And all of them were like, this isn't a big deal. This is just what we do. This is nothing at all. This is, uh, this is no work for us. This was just fun. But here's the thing, friends. Here's what I saw and what I want you to see. Often what we think is not a big deal is a massive deal to those who are receiving it. Often the acts of service that we do that we think are just not, a, not an important thing, that they really weren't much work that they can transform way more than we can imagine for those whom we are serving. See, this is the third week of our sermon series on becoming better. We're talking about service today. And as we're talking about service, a lot of us, like we think, of course, we should serve as, as people of faith. Of course, we should serve just to be good people. We can think about the impact that makes in the world or, or the fact that it makes us feel good. For those of us who are uh, people of faith, we think about serving and we might even quote Ephesians 2.10. We are God's accomplishment created in Christ Jesus to do good things. God planned these good things to be the way we live our lives. Service is is not controversial in the least. It's something a lot of us take for granted. It's something a lot of us think like, of course we should do that. And yet I have this suspicion that something holds most of us back. It might be different for each of us, but I have this suspicion that a lot of us think we should serve, but something stops us from serving as much as we think we should. Um, maybe it is, uh, maybe it's doubt about our impact. Maybe we think, hey, I, you know, I, I could go over and help, but like, is it really gonna be that big of a deal? Is it really gonna make that much of a change? Or, or maybe it's self-doubt. Maybe you've heard these voices in the back of your head as well. Like, I, I wanna serve, I wanna make a difference, but I'm too young. Or I wanna serve, but I'm too old. Or, or I wanna serve, but I don't have the skills. Or I wanna serve, but I don't have the abilities. Or I, I wanna serve, but I, I'm not sure that anybody would want me. I'd probably just make it worse. I think some of us, we think about serving and, and what holds us back is that we feel like we just don't have the time. Like service is good, but I've got to do, I've got to do this. Maybe this is work or this is school or this is raising our kids. We think like, this is what defines me. This is how I make an impact in the world. This is how I make a difference. And service is great, but it's, it's got to fit around the edges of this. As we talk about service, I love that Jesus speaks to people who have some of the same struggles, some of the same challenges, some of the same questions that you and I do. Jesus says this, Matthew 20, 26, whoever wishes to be great amongst you must be your servant. What I love about this passage isn't just how Jesus is telling us to be great, to make an impact. It's not just what Jesus says. It's also who Jesus says it to. In this passage, Jesus is preaching to all of us, really, because it's scripture and we're all going to learn something from this. But Jesus is speaking specifically to two young men, brothers named James and John. And I think James and John might have struggled with some of the same questions that you and I wrestle with from time to time. Now, first off, James and John are two of Jesus' disciples. You, you might know that. Uh, James and John are brothers. Their, their father's name was Zebedee. They're, they're kind of a big part of the Bible. Some of us have a little familiarity with James and John, but, but here's a couple things that I think help us understand what service might mean to James and John and this desire to make an impact to James and John. See, James and John are young. Like, John might have been a teenager. 
Scholars think that John was probably uh, the youngest of all of Jesus' disciples. But James and John are also, well, they've been bred and taught and raised to lead. When Jesus calls James and John, we hear that uh, James and John are in a boat with their father and they're fishing and and they leave that behind and come follow him. And, And I always had this picture of kind of a Father's Day montage in my mind when I read that, that Zebedee, their dad is sitting there and he's casting a rod and reel and they're sitting next to him and they're sharing stories. And it was kind of an idyllic Father's Day picture, but that's not really what scripture says. Scripture says Jesus calls James and John to leave Zebedee and and they leave their father behind in the boat with the nets and the hired servants and they follow. We get this picture that's a little less dad and and two boys fishing together and making memories and a little more of a picture of a large agribusiness, of a dad who has a a large enough boat that he needs multiple servants as well as his sons to to pull drag nets. We get this picture that this is a family of some financial means and that James and John are the heir to it. But not only that, James and John are politically connected. On the night that Jesus uh, is betrayed and taken into uh, custody, he's taken to the house of the high priest. And it's a moment of incredible tension. It it is the house of the most powerful man in the nation at this point. And we read this um, about John. We read, John was known to the high priest. So he went in with Jesus into the high priest's courtyard the house of the most powerful man in the nation on a moment where everything is on red alert and he just walks in the front door. He's politically connected. On top of all that, he's part of Jesus' inner circle. Not just the 12 disciples, James and John are part of that. But they, along with Peter, are witness and privy to some of the most powerful moments, just the three of them with Jesus. These are two young men who are raised for leadership, who have been taught that it is their role to make an impact, who wrestle with some of the same things that many of us do, that, hey, service is great, but I've got to make an impact first. We get a clue to that in this scripture, actually. It's James and John's mother, her name is Salome, who comes up to Jesus and says, hey, can you you promise me something? That when you come into your kingdom, can you make sure that James and John, that my boys, they sit on your right side and your left. Uh, not only is that proximity to Jesus for her, but it's also a chance for them to make an impact. And, and friends, I have to confess, I get it. As a dad, I want my kid to be close to Jesus. And I also want my kid to have every opportunity to make a difference in the world, to make an impact. It's to James and John and to all the people like them who are like us that Jesus says these words about what it means to make an impact. Whoever wishes to be great amongst you must be your servant. Just as the son of man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus doesn't just say these words, he models them. A few days after this, shortly before he's actually gonna be crucified, he gathers his closest disciples. They've been outside in the heat, walking on unpaved streets all day. And as they're seated around a table, he takes a towel around his waist and a basin of water and he begins to kneel in front of each of them, washing their dirty, stinking feet, serving them the job of the lowest slave done by the king of kings because that's what it means 
to make an impact. I know some of you are probably still skeptical. Like, of course, Jesus says that. Of course, a pastor is going to echo that. But can I tell you that service as the biggest way to make an impact, that that's something that business schools are starting to figure out? I read an article earlier this week that two researchers, uh, Amit Kumar of UT Austin and Nicholas Epley of the Chicago School of Business, that they did some research on this and they found that there is a, a shocking amount of impact that we make when we serve. They gathered uh, business school graduate students at uh, the University of Chicago and they had them do 192 acts, random acts of kindness. 192 random acts of kindness. And then they surveyed uh, the students. How did it feel? How big of an impact do you think you made? Uh, one to 10 scale, do you think it wasn't a big deal? Or do you think that like you changed the world with this one act? And you know, they, they kind of said, hey, we think we did something. The average score was like a three. But then Kumar and Epley surveyed the people who received those acts of kindness. And they asked them, how big of a deal was this thing? How big of a deal was the cup of coffee they bought you? How big of a deal was the flowers they sent you? How big of a deal was it that somebody offered you a ride home when you were walking back from class? And what they found was that there was a shocking lack of correlation between the impact that people thought they were making and how much of an impact they actually made. Here's the data. What they found was that uh, those doing the acts of kindness rated the impact of their actions as a three out of 10, not a big deal. But those who received the act of kindness reported it felt twice as big, more than twice as big. Those who received the act of kindness thought that much more time and money and energy were invested. And that while the kindness doers rightfully anticipated it would make someone's day better, they completely underestimated the impact that they could have. Now that was surprising to Kumar and Epley. And so they thought, we've got to recreate this. Maybe we've got the data wrong. Maybe this was just a, a weird set of people. Maybe the survey uh, it somehow influenced things incorrectly. It can't be that we do twice as much good when we seek to surf. That, that just can't be right. And so they recreated it. They thought maybe if we can't see people face to face. So they had, uh, they had undergraduate students write a hundred different letters to people in their life. Same data. They thought, let's bring it into a controlled situation in the lab. And let's have people choose a gift under completely tightly controlled conditions and see if it still has the same impact. Same data. They thought, let's take it to extreme conditions. And they had people passing out, volunteers handing out hot chocolate in the middle of winter in Chicago on the ice to people who were suffering from the cold. Same data we massively underestimate our ability to make an impact when we serve. Here's how they summarize their results. Performing random acts of kindness increases happiness in both givers and receivers, but from giving away a cup of hot chocolate in a park to giving away a gift in the lab, those performing a random act of kindness consistently underestimated how positive their recipients would feel thinking their act was of less value than recipients perceived it to be. We might in the church say that God takes what we do and multiplies it beyond our dreams. That God takes our acts of service and does more through them than we might ever expect or imagine. Friends, this is one of the reasons that we here at Church of the Resurrection believe that service is part of who we're called to be. It is one of the five habits that redefine our life. 
When you join the Church of the Resurrection, we challenge you uh, to do several things. One of them is serve in several different ways. Um, One, we challenge you to serve every single month alongside the church as we seek to make the world look like a different place. Two, we challenge you to do five acts of kindness on your own every single week. You don't have to tell anybody about it. We're not gonna keep track of it, but we think that the world will be different if you do it. And three, we challenge each of our members to seek to go on a serve trip and spend a week of their life completely dedicated to service. Friends, I wanna talk about each of those because I had a chance to see them this past week in action. We just wrapped up our uh, school makeover. We grabbed a couple schools in the Kansas City area and we had volunteers show up and just bless them however we can. And we painted and we decorated and we cleaned and we set this up as best we could so that students would recognize that they were loved and that they mattered. We wanted them to know that people cared about them, that there was a church that loved them. I got to go hear from Dr. Denise Deckard at Morse Early Learning Center a little bit about the impact that she thinks that's going to make on her students. Let's take a listen. The babies that come through this building um, come from different backgrounds, different cultures. On any given day, you can hear Swahili spoken, Somalian spoken. You can hear Arabic. You will hear Spanish. You will hear Hmong. Many different cultures come through our building. Uh, All of our babies have one thing in common, and that is that 98% of them are at risk. But when they walk in and they see the bright colors, when they walk in and they see the joy of the faces of their staff members, when they walk in and they see their friends and their excitement, it's going to expand. They're going to be ready to learn. They're going to be ready to just explore. And this building is really for students. This building has gotten an uplift. It's going to expand in the way we teach. It's going to expand in the way that we walk in. There's going to be such pride uh, when they see the mural and they see their own faces in the mural. It's just going to be, that's me. I'm connected. I am ever grateful for your labor of love, for your labor of joy, for the gifts and talents that you lent to Morse. I thank you for living out the Great Commission and going forward. I am grateful on behalf of Morse Early Childhood Center, on behalf of our students, our staff, our families. Thank you so much for your gift to us. More than 200 young children alongside their families and their communities, dozens of staff members will be re-energized by the fact that a few of you decided to take part of your Saturday, part of your week, a few hours here or there to go bless and make a difference alongside the church. That what for you might've been just a thing you did to start the summer that you felt was important, but that you had no idea could make an impact that would re-energize students, that would redefine their year, that would change the trajectory of their education as they knew they were loved. Friends, this is why we gather together as a church, why we pool our energy and our resources so we can magnify our impact I love seeing the ways that we do that every single week. Uh, Two weeks ago, I got to tour our food pantry at Resurrection Overland Park. And it was awesome to see the volunteers' faces lighting up as they talked about the people, the families, uh, the incredible amount of impact they were gonna be able to make in the community. I love going to our giving garden just west of Resurrection West to see the plants growing as we grow produce to go to food deserts so that people might have a healthy and nutritious and fresh meal brought to their community. 
I love seeing the pictures of those of you who gather from outside the Kansas City area in Resurrection Online, as you gather in Minnesota or in Texas, and as you gather with other people who are part of Resurrection Online in your communities and say, let's get together and let's make a difference right here where we live. It is incredible when we gather together. But it's also incredible when we serve by ourselves. We challenge you to do five acts of kindness every single week. That can be big, that can be small. That can be as simple as grabbing somebody a cup of coffee uh, on the way out and saying, hey, here, this is for you. And, and if they were part of this service, they might think like, uh, you, you're, I can see exactly through what you're doing. And you know what? That's okay. Because it's still gonna make a bigger impact on them than it took effort from you. Sometimes it looks like things that stick with us long after we might think we'd forget. Five acts of kindness can make a world of difference. Now, what about surf trips? Because for some of us, that sounds intimidating, doesn't it? To spend an entire week, maybe somewhere far away, serving and putting our faith into action. And a lot of us think like, I can't do this. But friends, can I tell you that it makes an impact on us as well as those that we serve? Just this past week, I had a chance to sit down with, uh, with one of our high schoolers who just got back from our Costa Rica serve trip. I had a chance to sit down with Audrey Poole. She goes to Resurrection West as well. And she got to share a little bit about her experience and what a difference it made to her. Let's take a listen. Hi, I'm Audrey Poole and I just came back from Costa Rica. I think it is really life-changing and it's just a once in a lifetime opportunity and you just learn a lot and your faith grows a lot and you get so super close with all the people that you go with. And so the work we were doing was a lot of physical labor with this big concrete mixer and getting all of the stuff that was needed into it. So like the water and the bag of cement and the shovels of gravel into it. And then once it's all in the mixer and it's mixing together and then you pour it into wheelbarrows and you push those into the church. Serving was powerful to me because I know that I was able to make a difference. I'm only 18. I wouldn't think there's much of a difference that I could make, but it's really special to know that I did make a difference with the group of people that I was with. As I was talking with Audrey after the interview, she shared about something that her dad did. See, while she was down there, her dad wrote her a letter. He said, I am so proud of you for the impact that you are making, for the choices that you chose to take part of your summer where you could be doing anything and you chose to serve in Costa Rica. I am so proud to be your dad and I am so proud of the young woman that you have become. Friends, it is in service that often we make a difference. I know some of you are still thinking, that sounds great, but how big of an impact can we really make? So let me tell you what it's like to be on the other side of this. Five years ago, I wasn't the pastor here at Resurrection West or, or here at Resurrection. I was a pastor uh, who knew of Resurrection. I'd, I'd grown up here, but I was serving at, at a church in Nebraska, at a church called Fremont First United Methodist Church. And that spring and really all winter, we'd had uh, just really historic rains and an early thaw began to unfreeze the rivers and it would send sheets of ice cascading like snow plows downriver towards my town of Fremont. And a call went out one morning, it was a sunny Friday morning in March, when I get a message, hey, we, we need all the help we can get to fill sandbags and to build berms because the flooding is coming. 
And so I gathered with volunteers from my community uh, to do last ditch efforts to save as much of the city as we could. The governor called it the most extensive damage our state has ever experienced. 23% of that damage came in Dodge County where I was serving at the time. The town of Winslow, which was just north of Fremont, had to be uh, evacuated and relocated. Fremont itself uh, spent a week as an island, as our bridges were knocked out, as, as the roads were still under water. The water came uh, through town and it hit uh, some of the light industrial sector. It, it hit uh, a dog food plant and then uh, it hit a meat packing plant and then it flowed through some of our neighbors just south of the viaduct. And the water sat for days and days. And then when it began to recede, the mold began to grow. The bacteria began to spread. Disease began to spike. We had a, a rash of lung issues pop up, especially amongst infants who were sent to the hospital because they couldn't breathe in their homes because the mold spores were coming through the floor. There was a spike in youth wrestling with depression and suicidal ideation because they'd go to school and their clothes just were inundated with the mold and they smelled. It was a moment of despair, but it was also a moment where I saw hope because when I'd gotten home from shoveling sandbags, when we'd run out of sand and bags, I, I got back and we were waiting for the floods to hit and I'd gotten a call in that moment. I, I'd gotten a call and I looked at my phone and it was, it was Pastor Adam Hamilton. And he said, what do you need? And I said, help, all the teams you can send. And he went back and he preached about it to you, Resurrection, on Sunday. And you not only sent teams, you sent more teams. I think the most, uh, the singular place that sent the most teams was from this church. And team after team after team came up. Now mold cleanup works like this. It's not really glamorous or it's not really flattering. It's some of the hardest work that we ever do at Resurrection because you have to put on a hazmat suit and goggles and a mask and you crawl under a house and sometimes there's only about a foot of clearance between your chest and, and the floor of the house above you. And your job is to pull out handfuls of rotting mildewy insulation. And you're trying to put it to the side of you, but most of the time it ends up on top of you. It is dirty, hard, stinky work. And you sent team after team after team to do it. You sent people who had every right to say, I, I'm a leader, I've made an impact. People who said, I, I've done the thing, I've made my mark in the world, came up and served. Bob Bloss, who was uh, chair of our staff parish committee, uh, when I came onto staff here, he, he's in governance. He's one of our leaders. He came up. And he put on a Tyvek suit and he crawled under a house and he began to pull out insulation. I could say I made him do it, but the reality is once he found out what needed to be done, he chose because that's how you make an impact. Carl Hopkins, who is a leader in our uh, serve and outreach department, who has mentored dozens of other leaders who have led their own trips. He came up, he crawled under, he put in the work on Father's Day. I called my own dad and he said, you know, I'm, I'm bringing a team. And he and my mom and their friends came up. They've been members of this church since I was about five. And I have tons of powerful memories of my own father. But one thing that I will never forget 
And fathers on Father's Day, I want you to get this. One thing that your kids will never forget is watching my dad make a difference by taking up the mantle of service. Resurrection, when we talk about serving, I'm not talking about something that might make a difference. I'm not talking about something that could be fun or cool. I'm talking about something that has the power to reshape the reality of those around us. When we talk about uh, serving within the church, we're talking about the places where we go into schools. And on behalf of God, we have the ability to put our actions and our faith into practice and that God tends to take those and make a larger impact than we ever could have imagined. We talk about five acts of kindness. We talk about something that we can do uh, every single week to live out light into a world that can sometimes feel like darkness. And friends, when we talk about serve trips, I'm challenging you. This might be the time that you sign up for one because I know what it's like to be on the other side of it. And I felt the hope that you bring and I've seen the impact that you make. And friends, we do this because God has a habit of taking our service and multiplying it beyond our wildest imagination. I'm not telling you to do something that you don't already do. I'm reminding you of who God uses you to be day after day. Let's pray. Almighty God, we give you thanks that you have a habit of taking our service and multiplying it to make a difference. That God, you take what to us feels so meager and so meek sometimes, and that God, you use it to bless our neighbors, to live out our faith, to make the world shaped a little more like the kingdom of God. And so God, for those of us who are a little bit scared, who think I can't do this, may you give us courage. To those of us who feel like we're too busy, may you help us face hard our priorities. God, to those who aren't sure where to start, may you give us wisdom. God, to those who will go on and lead international mission trips in the fall, to those who will work alongside our church projects here, to those who will do their first act of kindness today, may you bless them. May you bless those that they seek to bless. And may the world look more like your kingdom in the process. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for watching this week's sermon. We'd love for you to join us again for live worship online or in person. To learn more about Church of the Resurrection, please visit core.org. Have a great week and we'll see you next time.